That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome, everybody. Delighted to have you with us. Today, our guest is Congressman James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee. He's here to bring us up to date on the latest in his investigation of President Biden and what is turning into something of a fight with a Marxist M. Manhattan district attorney who refuses to turn over documents pertaining to Alvin Bragg's political persecution of President Donald Trump. All that and more with Congressman Comer coming up right after these developments. New blockbuster evidence in the John Durham special counsel investigation. That's right, John Durham is still at it. And for the first time, Durham is alleging that Hillary Clinton's campaign and others formed what he calls a joint venture or conspiracy to smear and frame Donald Trump with the so-called Russian collusion story to hurt his campaign and ultimately his presidency. And hard evidence of his allegations, a Michael Sussman email to then-FBI General Counsel James Baker was included in the filing by Durham's special counsel team this week. And now House Oversight Committee Chairman Congressman James Comer with a major step forward in his committee's investigation of the Biden crime family. The Treasury Department caving to Comer's demands to review bank suspicious activity reports, or SARS as they're called, about the Biden family. And his committee has also demanded George Soros-backed Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg come before his committee to explain why a local prosecutor is going after a national political candidate and former president, which is clearly a federal matter and an abuse of prosecutorial authority by the local DA. Our guest now is Congressman James Comer. Great to have you with us, Mr. Chairman. Bragg seems to be trying to laugh off your efforts to get him to testify and to appear before your committee. Your reaction, Mr. Chairman? Well, the Manhattan DA Bragg does not have the luxury to determine whether or not he can come and testify to Congress. Uh, when he made the decision to uh, play in uh, the federal sandbox, so to speak, uh, with respect to federal campaign finance laws and particularly with a presidential candidate, not to mention a former presidential, the former president of the United States, then he became uh, squarely within congressional jurisdiction. And I, I remind people that Congress writes the federal election laws, not the Manhattan DA. So we just have some questions. Uh, Jordan with judiciary obviously has jurisdiction over judiciary matters. We're very concerned that the, there's a two-tier system of justice at the Department of Justice. We're, we're very concerned with how Republicans, uh, especially the former president, have been treated by the Department of Justice with investigation after investigation after investigation. And, and then uh, I'm concerned because I think this is a waste of tax dollars. Uh, that's where the House Oversight Committee comes in. We've got a crime problem in America. One reason we have a crime problem is because uh, district attorneys aren't prosecuting criminals. 
and he's spending his time trying to uh, prosecute a former president of the United States who's a, a current uh, front runner for, for president. And then, of course, Chairman Steele's concerned about election laws and he's House administration. So uh, we, we expect Bragg to come testify to Congress to answer some basic questions. You expect Biden? Bragg. We expect Bragg to come. And uh, with that, we're looking at what cannot surely be a coincidence. We're looking at three prosecutions in the state of New York. We're looking at Georgia. We're looking at Florida. Uh, one a state matter, one a uh, in local matter uh, that is in Fulton County, uh, Georgia. And the federal matter uh, pertaining to Mar-a-Lago going ahead in Florida. This is five separate prosecutions against President Donald Trump. That has to be surely uh, uh, something other than coincidence. Is that something that would be within your purview to investigate? Absolutely. Again, uh, we've created a special task force, the select committee, to investigate the weaponization of the Department of Justice. I don't think anybody in America can say with a straight face that Donald Trump would be going through any of these trials were it not for the fact that he's running for president again and leading in in every poll in the Republican primary and, and most of the polls in the, in the general election. Uh, we fear this is political, and, and that's what our concern is with Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, that it has been overly politicized. But now, uh, Bragg is the one that we're most concerned about. This is the most obvious overreach. Uh, it's in the different level. It's uh, with the things that he's looking at. The statutes of limitations have expired. Uh, the, the case was passed on by the Department of Justice several years ago. I mean, there's no good explanation why in a city with the crime rate that uh, New York City has, that you would have a DA spending this much time uh, trying to investigate or, or, or prosecute or indict, whatever you want to say, a, a presidential candidate. I mean, this is this is a problem that Republicans have, and and I've, Democrats have said the same thing. You know, they swat what James Comey did with uh, talking about emails right before the 2016 election. I mean, the federal government needs to stay out of our elections. And and that's what, uh, you know, everyone complains about election interference. I mean, there's no good reason that we can tell for Bragg to be doing what he's doing. You know, if, if there is, then he can come tell us about it. I mean, that's what we've asked and that's what we expect. Yeah, nothing that's come out of that uh, grand jury so far has made a lick of sense, including having Michael Cohen who confessed to lying to Congress, uh, who has been flat out straightforwardly accused of being a pathological liar by one of the New York's most prominent attorneys, uh, Robert Costello, uh, who said, if you put a gun to his head, as the way I understand it, uh, on the witness stand, if you put a gun to uh, Michael Cohen's head, he couldn't tell the truth. What kind of nonsense is this to put a case that is utterly dependent on the, the star witness who's a pathological liar? Well, you know, you could certainly say that the two star witnesses have uh, credibility challenges, and that, that's all I want to say with, with respect to that. But at the end of the day, my problem isn't as much the witnesses as it is the fact that you've got a, a local DA trying to indict a presidential candidate. I mean, on a case that that the Department of Justice passed on 
for a million reasons three years ago or four years ago. I mean, th this is something that uh, is a concern. You know, what's to say, Lou, that my local county attorneys in my red district uh, start trying to prosecute the, the Biden family and, and leading Democrat Chuck Schumer and other. I mean, you, you can't overstep jurisdiction here and, and you can't write the laws to suit your political agenda, which is which is what it appears that Bragg is trying to do. And, and that's our concern. You know, he, if he's on the above board, everything's on the up and up and he's got, you know, credible evidence that that has legal standing, then he can come explain that to us. And, and I'm sure that uh, we would back off. I would back off, certainly. But at, at the end of the day, uh, we're just sick and tired of, of the, the politicization of the Department of Justice. And we want to know, has he been communicating with Merrick Garland? Is this just part of their narrative to try to say, well, Trump got indicted in, in five states uh, over five different things? I mean, this is this is the concern we have with Merrick Garland and his Department of Justice right now. Well, Merrick Garland, there's a lot of reasons for concern with that man. Uh, when you look at all of the overreaches uh, by his department and the FBI under his uh, attorney generalship, uh, this this is a man out of control. And I mean, it's unprecedented what he has done, uh, raiding a former president's home, uh, going after records. There is no dispute that the president has, no reasonable dispute, uh, that the president has the authority and possess the authority to declassify those yeah. documents. The rest of it, yeah, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, well, with respect to the documents, that's another great example. I mean, Trump, it's my understanding, was working with the National Archives and they were arguing over what is classified and what isn't classified. And, you know, people make the, the argument that the president has the ability to declassify. I've heard Democrats say, especially Democrat members of Congress that were in the military, that we overclassify documents. So, you know, there, there's, there was a lot going on there with Trump and the National Archives for him to just get raided. But then you see with Joe Biden, He's, he's mishandled classified documents in at least, to my count, five different locations, but they never raided any of those locations. They would call Joe Biden and say, or they would call Joe Biden's lawyers and say, hey, it's Monday at 12 o'clock. We're going to come Thursday at 3.30 in the afternoon and, and uh, search your premise. So give them three or four days to do who knows what. And, and at, at the end of the day, remember, there's no inventory of missing classified documents. That's something that, that certainly needs to be changed. And I hope to, to pass legislation uh, that would affect the outgoing president and, and define exactly what steps need to be taken for documents to follow the, the outgoing president and vice president when they leave office and go to the private sector. But you know the way they treated Trump versus the way they treated Joe Biden on the mishandling of classified documents is probably the biggest example of a two-tier system of justice. Yeah, I, I think there's only one tier, frankly, and I don't think it applies to the Marxist Dems of this country who run the, the Democrat Party at all. It's one set of rules for the uh, for the conservatives, Republicans and independents. And those are the Democrat rules. Uh, that's where our system of justice is. We don't have a system of justice, I think, uh, Mr. Chairman, frankly, uh, not when we permit this kind of uh, nonsense to go on. Are you going to uh, are you going to subpoena Bragg? Well, that will be Jordan's decision in the end. He's the lead right. investigator of this, so Jim would be the the person to 
to ask that question. All right, I'll reserve that for for Mr. for Mr. Jordan. Uh, the the fact that the the vice president, uh, the former vice president, uh, lied in the I mean, I'm just looking at the level of things that you could go through. I mean, it's really unending. And I know you know this far better than I do. I mean, I don't know how the resources that would be required to go through the conduct of this government, this your oversight of this government, the way it has spent taxpayer money, uh, those it's targeted. Uh, the weaponization committee, I understand, but just simply in the operation and administration of this government uh, to the yeah. disservice uh, and to the, to the jeopardy of of American citizens, it, it's just astounding. It is, Lou. You look at what the president said over the weekend that uh, the Republicans were to blame for not securing the, the southern border. The Republicans were, were wanting to cut border patrol agents and and that would lead to more fentanyl pouring across the border i mean are you kidding me this president has has created an open border policy that's our border policy under joe biden it's an open border policy he turned the border patrol agents from uh, uh policing agents protecting our border to the welcoming committee i mean they're like the the local chamber of commerce uh, vista center for these people coming across the border and and that's why we've had a hundred thousand fentanyl deaths since Joe Biden's been president. You know because we don't have a secure border. And, and I think that for for Joe Biden to stand and and the press to not call him out that it's Republicans' fault. I mean that's all we've talked about. That we've had, just about every committee's had a hearing on the border since we've been in the majority. We're we're at our wits' end. Uh, looking for ways to try to make this administration do what it should do, protect our homeland. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he said last week after I published the bank record showing his family had taken over a million dollars from the Chinese Communist Party, he said that was a lie. I mean, I have their bank records, Lou. It's no lie. So, and the press didn't, again, call him out on that. So, you know, we've got, a, as you know, a, a challenge with the mainstream media here in the United States telling the truth about this administration. Well, respectfully, Mr. Chairman, we don't have a problem. We've got a crisis. Uh, this uh, this national corporate media uh, is in absolute league with the Marxist Dem led Democratic Party. This is not a, and I think most Americans don't understand this. The Democrat Party isn't a party of the loyal opposition. They are a party of occupation, uh, and they are trying to overthrow everything about this republic. The fact that we can't get a, a straightforward to think that a president in the United States lies about what he did, lies about what the Republicans did on that border, and who's responsible, then there isn't a peep. And by the way, the, Democrat, the Republican leadership hasn't been exactly vociferous and united. It seems to me that every, every single one of the 222 Republicans in the House should be screaming at the top of their lungs that we're not going to be told to go to hell by the president of the United States who is shredding the Constitution every day and now with every breath. Yeah, the, 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 the actions of this president have, have put every American in, in jeopardy with respect to uh, no homeland security on the southern border, with respect to out-of-control crime rates in the big cities and criminals going free because of his criminal justice reform. Uh, because of inflation, because of the, the Biden spending too much, all of his stimulus bills and his welfare giveaways. 
Uh, now we've got a crisis with our with our banks because the regulators uh, weren't paying close enough attention uh, to to the the changing economy. Because you know w one thing that's brought a lot of these banks down, Lou, is the fact that they had so many treasuries and. And you know what happens to the value of treasuries when interest rates go up a lot, and a lot of these banks were underwater because of bad policies of this of this Biden administration. You throw in the energy policy, the push to make everything electric, while at the same time cutting off coal, canceling the Keystone Pipeline. I mean, decision after decision that this administration's made has put every American in, in peril. And and that's what you're right. The Republicans are going to have to stand up. And as you know, the Senate tied our hands till October because they funded the budget before we became the majority. But uh, we're working on it as we speak, trying to get uh, enough votes to to make some some cuts to try to balance the budget for God's sake and try to force this administration to do what it's supposed to do on the southern border. Yeah. I would say that your chances of succeeding at that, if I may, Mr. Chairman, based on the experience of the last two years and what, uh, almost three months, would be zero. Uh -huh. There is no way. This this president has served notice on the Republican Party, uh, on the uh, citizens of this country. When it comes to the Constitution, when it comes to American values and the national interest, go to hell. I mean, you can put that in quote marks from Joe Biden. Yeah. Go to hell. And it seems clear to me that because of the extraordinary uh, violations by this president of the Constitution, of the rule of law, uh, his own self-dealing, you're going to have to do something dramatic. We're going to have to do something dramatic as a nation to deal with this, because it's clear to me after watching this, at, at least to me, Mr. Chairman, you, there's no, the, the government wasn't designed for this kind of reprobate uh, sitting in the White House, shielded and assisted and supported and guided by Marxist Dems who could give a damn about law, who could give a damn about their traditional role, whether they be in the fourth estate or whether they be in the uh, Internal Revenue Service Agency. Yeah, their, their desire for political correctness and wokeness has, uh, has certainly led to a uh, trend among prosecutors that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's for some reason wrong to prosecute certain types of people. Uh, and, you know, we've got a crime crisis in America here in Washington, D.C. Thankfully, we passed legislation in May and for, the president did sign that undid uh, a crazy decision that the city council made here in Washington, D.C. to not prosecute anybody unless they committed murder. So if somebody carjacked uh, at 9 a.m. in the morning, they would get arrested and be back out on the street by noon. They could go to steal a hot dog somewhere and then carjack again at two o'clock. Uh, you know, the, the decisions coming out of these liberal prosecutors uh, in the name of Joe Biden's criminal justice reform uh, is just, uh, it's wreaked havoc on these cities. And, and I think, you know, hopefully that's one thing voters will remember. They did in New York in the in the midterm election. They they turned on the Democrat Party because of uh, their soft on crime positions. And and you know, with respect to the Constitution, Joe Biden will say was you know he can he can pay for this student loan bailout, even though he has no authority to appropriate money, especially 
that much, hundreds of billions of dollars, but then he'll say, well, I can't do anything. You know, he can't do anything about TikTok because he doesn't have the constitutional authority. I mean, he creates laws uh, to suit him and he interprets the constitution the way that he wants, not the way that our uh, founders wrote it. So let me ask you this question. I've got a couple of others, if I may. Let me, let me start with this. The House GOP is demanding uh, Biden reveal Chinese ties to the Silicon Valley Bank. Well and good, but he has not answered any of your questions to this point. He won't even acknowledge his own truth, which is that he is destroying this country at the southern border. He's in league with a, he's turned over control of the southern border, north and south of that border, uh, uh, to the Mexican drug cartels. We have people dying. We can't sit here and wait till November 24th, uh, November of 2024. What if we don't make it? I mean, are we just going to say we tried? This is this is going to require a, I think, a unique, a dramatic, and original solution, because where the Democrat Party has us headed, and this crazed, impaired president has us headed, is to oblivion, and it's that straightforward. He has said, I will say it again. He's told us all, go to hell. Now there has to be a response to that. Uh, that it doesn't wait on 2024. I truly believe we can't afford to take that risk. Yeah, I, you, you're, you're, you're on a roll, Lou. We need to, I need to get you to come to speak to our conference, a motivational speech uh, to try to get uh, a few of our uh, guys to feel the same sense of urgency that uh, most working taxpaying Americans feel about this administration. So, uh, I appreciate what you're saying, and and I I hope that we can put the brakes on on the spending and get a reasonable budget and force the Senate to to go along with us. With respect to him lying about the bank records, that was the first batch, Lou. Let's see what happens on the second batch and the third batch and the fourth batch because that's what's going to happen. Uh, we're not letting up on this investigation, and we're going to present the American people with the facts about what the Biden family's been doing to profit off of uh, working, tax-paying, God-fearing Americans. May I ask you one last question here, Mr. Chairman? Any timetable for when you'll hear about uh, Hunter Biden's business partners, uh, will you have to subpoena them as well? Well, we've asked a couple of them to come in for transcribed interviews, and the deadline for a response is in the next few days. So stay tuned, Lou. We're not going to let up on this, and we've got a lot of momentum. I've already got more information than I think most of the critics ever thought we would get. We've already gotten uh, one set of bank records. Uh, we've got access to those suspicious activity reports from Treasury that they said I would never get. And uh, just stay tuned on more bank records coming in. Well, I will say this, uh, Chairman uh, James Comer, you are dialed in, and I guarantee you we'll be tuned in. Thanks so much for being with us, and thanks for all that you're doing for the country. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Lou. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Here tomorrow, our guest will be Tom Bevan, founder and editor of Real Clear Politics. And as you might expect, we'll be talking about all that's going on in national politics and the continuing contest for truth justice and the american way right here tomorrow please join us till then god bless you and god bless america